Welcome to Free Christian Church's Audio Outreach Ministries. For more information regarding the Audio Outreach Ministries, visit our website at freechristian.church to find links to our weekly podcast and past messages. Or you may contact the church office at area code 419-596-3103. And now, here's Reverend James Fry with today's message. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore, and that he sat down and taught the people from the boat, the first stage of all time right there. So when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. God, I pray today that that our mind and our heart will be focused on what you have to say to us. There's nothing more powerful than the Word. And God, I pray that we will pay attention, that we'll we'll listen to you speak and know that you're speaking to us. And God, might be obedient to what you tell us to do. Father, anoint your Word today to do your will and accomplish what you sent it out to accomplish. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Do you remember the old saying, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. All you old people, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it was actually popularized by Edward Hickson. And the full words, I never knew there were more words to it. I only ever heard that line. But it says, tis a lesson you should heed, try again. If at first you don't succeed, try again. Then your courage should appear, for if you will persevere, you will conquer. Never fear. Try again. Once or twice, though you should fail, if you would at last prevail, try again. If we strive, tis no disgrace, though we did not win the race, what should you do in that case? Try again. If you find your task is hard, try again. Time will bring you your reward. Try again. All the other folk can do, why with patience should not you only keep this rule in view and try again. Sadly, we seem to have forgotten this saying. We live today in a society of quitters. Quitting has not only become acceptable, but it's now even encouraged by our culture. Things don't go well on our job, and we're encouraged to quit that job and go find ourselves another we find difficult, uh, difficulty with a class in high school or in college, and we're told, well, don't stick it out. Just go drop that class and choose another. When we're handling our marriages, we're handling the same way. We have problems, and our marriage is on the rocks. But instead of working to save our relationship and to live up to the vows that we've taken, we're encouraged to just quit and start over with someone else. There are now best-selling parenting books on how to teach your child to quit. My dad never read one of those. They didn't have them in my day. Noah Berlatsky states, you do not need to learn how to deal with adversity, or you do need to learn how to deal with adversity, of course. And one of the best ways to deal with it is to quit. 
In fact, I'd argue that quitting is one of the most important life skills that you can teach your child. Another author writes, persistence and grit are important, but walking away might help kids be happier and have healthier lives. She says, we have a cultural bias against quitting and tend to view it as giving up, but that is misguided. Quitting can be empowering, and it can free your child to discover new passions. It's happening in collegiate sports. Those of you who follow football know what I'm talking about. Since the invention of the transfer portal, many athletes who have committed to one particular school have become dissatisfied that their expectations aren't being met, and so they they enter the transfer portal and they transfer from one school to the next. Tubby Smith, who was a longtime college basketball coach, told reporters that when he was in college, He wanted to transfer from High Point during his freshman season in 1969. But in his case, his father was there to tell him, stick to it. He said his father asked if somebody had done something to him, and he said, well, no. And his father then proceeded to ask him several more questions. He said, you still getting your scholarship? Yes. Are you still, they still feeding you there? Yes. Are they still housing you? Yes. Are you still getting an education? Yes. He said, Smith, he said when, when I replied to all of these, yes, sir, my dad said to me, well, son, you can't come home because your bed has been taken. But you can join the Army. Needless to say, Smith said that he stayed in school, and that was the best advice his dad had ever given him. There are some things in this life that are too important to quit on. Amen. There's some things that we should never give up easily or without a fight. There are some situations that we will face in the course of our life, difficult situations that wear on our mind and weary our being that we should never casually accept. But we should try our very best, reach for our goal, run our race, deal with the challenges before us, and if at first we don't succeed, we should try, try again. Maybe you've already tried to fix your problem, but your fix didn't work. Try again. Maybe you've given it a valiant effort, but you've failed. Try again. It may be your health or that of somebody you love. It may be your marriage. It might be your lost and rebellious child. Whatever it is, you know that it's too important for you to just give up and accept it as the way it is. Try again. Maybe you're in a struggle right now. You've done what you know how to do. You've done what you're supposed to do and everything that people have told you to do, but nothing has worked. Try again. You have to be determined that you're going to win and then put in the necessary effort to do so. You're done with casual and meaningless prayers. You're not just going to tell God what you want, but you're going to listen to God and respond accordingly to what he says. You're going to adjust your priorities. You're going to rearrange your schedule if necessary. You're going to try every avenue and investigate every opportunity because this is one thing that is too precious to surrender. But you know that you can't do it on your own. You've already tried. You've expended enough of your own efforts and you've failed enough times to know that if you're going to succeed, you're going to need God's help. You see, God has a way of putting us into situations that require his help. So that when those situations are resolved, we will know beyond any shadow of a doubt that it had to be him. That had to be God. 
But when faced with challenges in your life, you can't just ring an alarm and expect God to come running to your rescue. He doesn't owe you anything. God's not obligated to do your bidding. God isn't some fairy godfather who's sitting on around in heaven waiting to give you what you ask him for. If you want God's help, you're going to have to get near him. And then you're going to have to start listening to him, and you're going to have to respond and start doing the things that he has told you to do. Listen to me. There will come a day in your life when you will wish that you knew God better. Whether you consider yourself a born-again Christian, or you're living your life in rebellion to God, whether you're faithful in your church attendance and Bible study and prayer, or you're just a part-time hit-and-miss Christian, there's going to come a day in your life when you will wish that you knew God better. In your desperation, you're going to need him because nobody else can do what he can do. There'll come a day when you wish that you knew how to pray. As a young boy growing up in the church, there were certain people who I will always remember because of how they prayed. They didn't pray like other people, but when they prayed, everything stopped. Everything stopped. The church grew silent. Heaven bowed near, and you just knew that they had God's attention. My mom could pray that way. My mom could pray that. How many of you remember my mama praying? My mom, my, my mom could pray the house down. She could pray conviction into lost souls. She could pray tears into the eyes of the hardest sinner. When my mom prayed, everybody knew that God was listening. But my mom wasn't born with the ability to pray that way. Because good praying comes from good practice. I'm not talking about asking God for stuff. Any heathen can do that. God, give me some money, or God, give me a new car. God, give me a good-looking woman. I'm not talking about God bless my French fries and my Big Mac, or God, take the calories out of this big piece of chocolate cake I'm about to eat. But I'm talking about kneeling in humility before the Ancient of Days, Entering his court, praising him for who he is, worshiping at Jesus' feet, glorifying his name, telling him how wonderful he is and how powerful he is. I'm talking about getting so close to Jesus that the problems that you've been worrying about no longer matter. I'm talking about getting so close to God that this ugly world begins to disappear from around you and you find yourself in his peace that surpasses all understanding. There'll come a day in your life when you wish you knew how to pray better so you can express to God the anguish that's in your soul and you can commune with him and tell him what you want him to know. There'll come a day when you wish that you knew how to distinguish God's voice. This world is full of advice, and most of it's bad advice. But there'll come a day in your life when you're going to want to know what God has to say. John chapter 10, Jesus said, My sheep know my voice. And a stranger, they won't follow. There come a time when you find yourself in a situation that is so serious that you can't afford to gamble on the outcome. You don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to get the wrong answer. People around you are telling you what to do, but you want to know what God wants you to do. And you have to be able to distinguish His voice from all of the others. There come a day when you wish that you knew your Bible. You wish that you had spent more time in church. You wish that you would have been in Sunday school and in Bible study. You wish that you had spent less of your energy watching TV and playing video games and more time reading God's Word. 
life is in the balance and eternity is on the line, have you come to realize that you're going to be standing before the judgment seat of the King of Kings and you want to make certain that you have all of the facts and that you have all of the right answers because you know you can't afford to get this thing wrong? There'll come a day in your life when you wish that you knew God better. Have you ever asked yourself, why does my faith not work? Have you ever wondered why Moses could pray to God, raise his hands into the air and part the Red Sea, but you can't seem to get past the minor obstacles that get in your way? Have you ever wondered why Joshua could pray to God and he could make the sun stand still, or he could march around Jericho until the walls fell down, but you can't even get through the barrier that stands between you and your teenager? Have you ever wondered how Elijah could pray over the widow's barrel of meal and so it would never run dry? But when you pray, there are days when you can't even find your barrel. So you've tried and you failed. And now you're angry with God. You're disenchanted with your faith and you're disappointed with the church because it seems that Christianity isn't living up to its billing. You're frustrated because you're going through a difficult time and you've asked God for his help, but God hasn't given you an answer. You've asked him to heal your sickness, to provide for your need, to come to your rescue and bail you out of your trouble, but God hasn't moved. You're discouraged because instead of the miracle that you prayed for, the sickness has grown worse. The budget has gone south and your troubles have multiplied. You're beginning to think that God isn't who he says he is. You're beginning to think that God doesn't answer prayers. His promises aren't true, and the things that the preacher preaches about never really happen. And faith is just a waste of your time. What good is a God that doesn't answer me when I pray and doesn't help me when I need him the most? But the problem isn't with God. The problem has never been with God. The problem is with you. Until you are willing to come to grips with that, nothing in your situation is going to change. You see, the last person on earth that we ever want to blame is ourself. Well, it can't be my fault. It's probably God's fault. It can't be my fault. It must be somebody else's fault. But until you swallow your pride and admit that you aren't where God wants you to be, You've not been listening to him. You've not been obeying him. You've not been serving him. Nothing in your situation is going to change. God can't bless you where you are. He can't help you because of where you're living. You've wandered outside of God's hedge, and you've been living your life outside of God's will, but now you need his help. You've been a rebellious son or a rebellious daughter, and your conduct has driven you into a barren place where the blessings of God can no longer reach you. Your actions have tied God's hands so that he can't respond to you the way that he wants to. If Jesus isn't the Lord of your life, he can't be God in your life. So now curses trump your blessings and bad things replace the good things and troubles replace your triumphs. In Luke chapter 5, Peter and some of the others had fished all night long, but they caught no fish. Nighttime was when fishermen typically did their thing. They would row out from the shore into the shallow water, and they would cast their net over the side of the boat. And when they thought that some unwitting fish had swim, swim into their lair, they would pull up their net. Now, Peter and his crew had put in an effort to catch fish. They'd done all that they could do in a sincere and valiant effort to catch these fish, but they, they caught nothing. 
Their nets were empty. Nothing. I'm not telling you that they had an off day. I'm not saying that, well, they just caught a few or they caught a couple of little ones. I'm saying they caught nothing. Their nets were empty in spite of their efforts, in spite of their hard work, in spite of their dedication. They caught nothing. See, some people will say to me, well, Pastor, I I come to church and, and I read my Bible and I put money in the offering plate and I pray every day, but God does nothing for me. I've done my part. I've done my part. What more can I do? And herein is where many Christians miss the point. It's not about your effort, even though you know that you haven't really given God your all. Let's be real. It's not about your good works, even though you know that there haven't been many. It's not about how many church services you attend or how much money you put in the offering plate. It's not about your sincerity, even though you know that you've only been sincere, sincere for the moment. But the heart of the matter is your obedience in doing what God commands you to do when God commands you to do it. Have you ever tried and failed? It's just me. I'm not just talking about fishing. The Lord knows how many innocent worms I've drowned in my lifetime. I'm talking about life. Have you ever put in a sincere effort, thought your actions through, had a great plan, created a strategy, gave it your best shot, and still failed? Been there, done that. The Bible says that when they had finished fishing, I underline that in my notes, they had finished fishing, and they were putting their nets away, Jesus came to them in the morning. Somebody once said that God is seldom early, but he is never late. And yet Jesus had the habit of showing up after the fact. Now, I want you to think about this because I thought it was really interesting. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus didn't calm the storm until after the storm had hit and the ship was about to sink. In Matthew 9, he didn't show up at the ruler's house to heal his daughter until after the ruler's daughter had died. In Luke 7, he didn't raise the widow's son from the dead until the funeral service was over and they were on their way to the cemetery. In Luke 8, he didn't heal the woman with the issue of blood until she had spent all that she had and the doctors could do no more. Jesus didn't feed the 5,000 until they were hungry and out of food. He didn't heal the blind man until he suffered through a lifetime of blindness. In John chapter 11, Jesus didn't raise Lazarus from the dead until he had been in the grave for three days. But I want you to know, only Jesus has the audacity to show up late, but still be God enough to be on time. The Word says that Jesus came to them in the morning. They sure could have used his help during the night. Would have been nice if he had showed up when they were struggling against the elements and trying to do their job. It would have been wonderful if he would have showed them where the fish were when they had their nets out and they were ready to catch fish. But Jesus didn't show up until morning. He didn't show up until after they had failed. Are you listening to the Word of God? Jesus didn't show up until after they had failed. Sometimes God allows us to fail. Now, preacher, that's not what I want to hear. I want you to tell me how God will guarantee my success. I want you to tell me how I will never fail. I want you to tell me how I can be all I can be and get all I can get. Well, I'd tell you that if it weren't for this scripture. Sometimes God allows us to fail. He wants us to exhaust every avenue 
to try every option to expend all of our energy. Sometimes God wants us to do everything that we know how to do until all of our own efforts come up short so we will have nowhere else to turn but to him. God wants us to know that he is our supplier. He wants us to know that he is our healer. He wants us to know that he is our protector. And as his child, we are totally dependent upon him in all things. And all means all, and that's all all means. The long fruitless night had passed. The disciples were tired. They had failed miserably. And they were discouraged. A new day had dawned, but the sunlight only exposed their failure because they had nothing to show for their effort. Nothing will take the wind out of your sails any faster than to make great plans, put in a valiant effort, and come up empty-handed. But now, seeming to rub salt in the wound, after they had failed, here comes Jesus, who by trade is a carpenter. Jesus wasn't even a fisherman. And this landlubber was going to tell them how to catch fish. I hate it when people tell me how to do my job. <laughs> Just so you know. I mean, I wouldn't do that to somebody else around here. They will ask me, well, what do you think's wrong with the furnace? I don't know. Ask me a Bible question. Ladies will be decorating out here. What do you think of these flowers? I don't know. Ask me a Bible question. I know what I know. I hate it when somebody, I got the easiest job in the world because everybody in the world knows how to do it. Everybody knows how to do it. Then they're more than willing to help me out. Here's Jesus. He wasn't a fisherman. He was a carpenter by trade, and, then, and they all knew that. By, but, but now this itinerant preacher, this ex-carpenter, is telling Peter the fisherman that he and his exhausted crew should turn around, go back out during the daytime, launch out into deep and dangerous water, and let down their nets to catch fish. How would you have responded? How have you responded? Has God ever commanded you to do something ridiculous? Jesus was telling them, I want you to go try again. But I want you to do it differently than you have ever done it before. See, fishermen know how to fish. They knew their job. They, they would fish at night so the fish couldn't see the nets. The fish would, uh, they would fish in shallow water near the shore so the fish couldn't swim underneath the nets. Has God ever told you, I want you to try again? But this time, do things differently. In the weariness of your apparent failure, after all of your hard work, God has finally showed up and he said to you, forget everything that you know and try it again. You're worn out, you're stressed out, nothing you have tried has worked out, but now after you've packed it in, God's telling you, I want you to try it again. Can you identify with that? Peter didn't respond like some of us would. He didn't argue with Jesus. He didn't complain, you know, we've been out all night, we didn't catch anything, there aren't any fish out there, we're tired, so we're not going to try anymore. Peter didn't even point out to Jesus that while they were slaving away trying to catch fish, he was nowhere to be found. But Peter was obedient. He did what Jesus told him to do. Maybe you've earnestly prayed for healing. For the one, but the one that you prayed for is still sick or they're getting worse. You faithfully tithe and given generously to the church, but you're still struggling to make ends meet. 
You've attended church and worked hard in ministry, but you still have problems in your life that don't seem to go away, and you're wondering, where, where is God? You're ready to give up because you're convinced that God's given up on you. And the devil's right there whispering in your ear, if there are no benefits to being a good Christian, then why should you even try? But the question is, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? I'm going to keep asking until you give me an answer. How bad do you want it? What does this thing that you've been worrying over and praying about mean to you? Is it worth more of your time? Is it worth more of your effort? Is it worth the inconvenience that it might cause you? Is it worth the pain that you might have to endure? Is it worth the sacrifice that God will require you to give? How bad do you want it? What are you willing to go through to get it? How many battles are you willing to fight? How many enemies are you willing to face? How many valleys are you willing to endure? And how many deserts are you willing to traverse to get to what you want? How bad do you want it? Then try again. Don't be a quitter. You see, the devil knows that the only way he can beat you is if you surrender. He has no power over you. He has no authority over you. Satan knows that he can't beat you unless you surrender. Don't quit. Try again. You see, some Christians are just hope-sows or maybe-sows. And because of that, they struggle through life with empty nets, never getting what they go after. They accept failure is the way it is, and nothing in their life ever changes. How bad do you want it? You see, the devil isn't looking for a fight with you. He's looking for a forfeit from you. He wants you to quit. He wants you to stop doing. He wants you to stop giving. He wants you to stop working. He wants you to stop praying and stop loving. Satan wants you to get angry with God and discouraged with your faith and upset with your church. He wants you to get mad at your boss and fight with your wife and kick your dog and raise the white flag of surrender. But I'm here this morning to tell you, never give up. Try again. What kind of stamina do you have? I looked this up. Stamina is the ability to sustain prolonged physical or mental effort. I can tell you right now, the mental stuff I can handle pretty good. I go to the gym, that physical thing just isn't there anymore. The ability to sustain prolonged physical or mental effort. Some people are like snowflakes. They melt at the first sign of heat. How long can you last? How, how much can you take and keep going? What are you willing to endure to get what you're going after? Jesus said, I want you to launch out into the deep and do what you did all over again. He said, I want you to get your nets back out, and I want you to row out further than you would ordinarily go, and I want you to do everything just one more time. Try again. What would you have said? I know what you have said. You would have said, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'm tired today. I'll do it tomorrow. But Peter didn't argue with Jesus. He didn't tell Jesus that fishing during the daytime was a waste of time. He didn't calculate the risk and the dangers of going out into the deep water. He didn't complain about how tired he was and how his joints were hurting and how his back was aching and how his muscles were sore. This was the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is almost 700 feet below sea level where the hills to the west are 1,500 feet above sea level or even higher. 
Cold air from the west falls from the hills onto the lake, which displaces the warm air, which is lighter, which can cause sudden and immediate storms. The Sea of Galilee can be instantly dangerous and deadly, and Peter and his crew were well aware of it. They all knew of somebody that had died in the depths. They had sought safety first. They would fish as close to the shore as they possibly could. They would fish in the safe waters. But Jesus said to them, I want you to launch out into the deep. I want you to go somewhere dangerous. I want you to go somewhere that you wouldn't ordinarily go. I want you to go somewhere and do something that expresses your faith. Launch out into the deep and try again. Here's something I want you to consider. Peter was the leader, and he was the captain of his ship. Peter knew that his response to Jesus' command was going to be scrutinized and maybe even criticized by his crew. But his response was going to affect the people that he was responsible for. All through the years of ministry, my brother Bob, eight years older than me, and he had been in ministry much longer, and I would go to him for advice or direction. Whatever was trouble, somebody give me a hard time, whatever it was, Dealing with something I didn't know how to deal with, he would give me one word of advice. He would say to me, let them, never let them see you sweat. He wasn't talking about when I preached, because obviously he said that. <laughs> never let them see you sweat. When you're in a position of leadership or a position of authority, when you're the boss at work or you're the head of house at home, there are people watching how you respond. Their faith will grow or their confidence will be shattered by the way you react to a situation. As a pastor, I've learned that no matter what's going on in my personal life, no matter what my trials are that are unknown to my congregation, no matter what I'm wrestling with, no matter how weak my faith might be at times, that there are people who are watching how I respond, and the fate of the church may depend on how I react. Never let those who depend on you see you sweat. We're not told what Peter was thinking. And amazingly, this is one of the very few times that Peter didn't tell us what he was thinking. Jesus said, launch out into the deep and cast out your nest. And Peter responded, nevertheless. The, the New International Version puts it plainly, because you said so. Because you said so, I'll let down the nets. Because God said so, that's all you need. That's all you need. That should be good enough. That should be reason enough because God says so. Why do you keep going to church and Sunday school and Bible study even though nothing in your life seems to be going right? Because God said so. Why do you keep reading your Bible and you keep praying even though it seems that it does you no good? Because God said so. As God's children, we need to learn to live our life by thus saith the Lord. We have way too much of thus saith Oprah. And thus saith CNN, or thus saith Fox News, or we have too much of thus saith the counselor, or thus saith the author, or the politician. We just need more of thus saith the Lord. Amen. And that's good enough. Amen. God can't help you if you refuse to obey what he's telling you to do. It's not a pick and choose thing. You can't be obedient in one part of your life and then ignore what God's telling you to do in another. If you want God's assistance, it is all or nothing. Do what he commands you to do. You might have to go somewhere you've never been. You might have to do something you've never done. You might have to defy the odds and take a chance. You might have to do something dangerous and commit to something that expresses your faith. You see, you have to understand 
that if you choose to disobey God's command, then you're choosing to remove yourself from God's help. You can't say to God, God, I want you to do some work for me, but I'm not going to do anything for you. There are parameters that God has set, and you have to live your life within those parameters. You have to get close to God. You, have, you can do nothing, he can do nothing for you if you choose to go your way instead of going his way. When the prodigal son left his father's home, he left the boundaries of his father's blessing and his father's protection. His father couldn't feed him anymore. He couldn't protect him anymore because he was living his life outside of his father's hedge. It was the hedge that set the parameters of his father's care. It was the hedge that kept the enemy at bay. It was the hedge that kept the son near enough to his father that his father could hear his voice and meet his needs. See, some of you are struggling through life right now because you have refused to obey what God has told you to do. You have problems that you don't need to have. You do without things that God wants to give you. Your prayers go unanswered because you have chosen to live your life outside of God's will, but you still expect God's help. Christianity always works. The Bible is always dependable. Prayers are always answered. God always hears, and he always is as good as his word. Heaven is still heaven. God is always on the throne, and Christianity always works. But it only works in a life, our life when we're obedient to God's command. We can never expect great things from God if we're unwilling to do the small things he asks us to do. Most people don't have to worry about parting seas or moving mountains or hauling in a boatload of fish because they still struggle with the small stuff. They struggle with getting up for church on Sunday morning. Yet they want to be in heaven. <laughs> they don't like being around God's people on Sunday morning, but they want to be with them for eternity in heaven. That, that makes no sense to me. They struggle with making it to church in time for Sunday school. They struggle with finding time to read their Bible. They struggle with getting alone with God in prayer. They struggle with tithing on their income. They struggle with getting involved with ministry and sharing their faith with other people. They struggle with the little things. They want God to give them what he gave Moses and what he gave Joshua. They want God to work in their life like he did for the Apostle Paul or for Peter. They want him to knock down walls and part seas and fill their nets, but they don't live like Moses lived. They don't serve like Joshua served, and they don't have the commitment that Peter and Paul had. So how can they expect the same results? I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in fortune. I don't believe in karma. I don't believe in the alignment of the planet and stars. I don't believe in fate or horoscopes or fortune tellers or palm readers. And I don't believe in the potential of man, but I do believe in God. And I'm convinced that the greatest blessings of God comes upon our life when preparation has met with opportunity. Peter and his crew made the preparation and Jesus gave them the opportunity. But there's something else that I need to point out. Success was not an easy fix. They didn't push out from the shore and suddenly the fish just all jumped in their boat. We want to pray to God, and before we rise from our knees, have the solution gift-wrapped and setting in front of us. We want an instant answer. We want an answer that requires nothing on our part. We want an answer that's easy and doesn't take any commitment but I want to remind you, fishing was hard work. 
It was strenuous work. It required great organization. These weary fishermen who had already been up all night long, who were tired and discouraged, had to get their nets ready again. They had to row out further from the shore than ever before again. And when they were finally ready, to head, they had to cast their nets over the side of the boat again. And then they had to wait. Are you paying attention? They had to wait. See, what I'm telling you is you might not get an instant answer. You might have to do some things and go through some things to get what you're searching for. You might have to put in some effort and deal with the pain and go somewhere you've never gone and do something that expresses your faith and thus saith the Lord. But they did what Jesus commanded them to do. And the Bible says they caught so many fish that they had to call their partners in the other boat to help them haul in the catch. And the Word of God says there were so many fish that their catch filled both boats. If you're obedient to God, He might just bless you so much that your blessing is going to bless somebody else. Church, God is still on His throne. He still answers prayer, but He isn't here just to serve you and grant your wishes. God still performs miracles. He does things that nobody else can do, but He doesn't just do them for anybody. God delivers these special answers to prayer into the lives of believers who draw near to Him and obey His commands. He gives it to those who have made preparation, who put in the effort and the time to receive them, and who are persistent enough to be faithful in spite of the odds. God is faithful to his children who are willing to try and then try again. Who in obedience are willing to go somewhere they've never been and do things they've never done before so he can give them what they've never had. Now, I would be wrong if I didn't add this because the story isn't finished here. Once they'd caught all the fish, and they came back to the shore, they were thrilled. This was amazing. And Jesus said, you think that's good? Follow me, and I'll help you catch something better. I'll make you fishers of me. And you see, a lot of times the things that we pray for and the things that we think we want are limited to this world. Okay, God, give me this answer to prayer. I'm, going, I'm doing everything I need to do. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. If you read the faith chapter of the Bible, we listed one saint after another. And it says, by faith they did this. By faith so-and-so did this. By faith so-and-so did this. But then you get down towards the end of that chapter. It says this. These all died not having received the promises. but having received something better. I'm telling you, don't quit. Keep trying. Keep doing. Do something that expresses your faith. Go somewhere you've never gone. Do things, something you've never done before. But when it's all said and done, remember, God has something even better than what you think you want. God, I pray today that you will help us find the courage and the stamina and the faith to finish. God, we might have tried and we might have failed, and, and God, right now, we're discouraged because nothing has worked out right. Help us to try again. Help us to try again.
Because some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth working for. God, I pray today for someone here, maybe several someones here, who've been going through this struggle. They have been discouraged and they don't know where to turn next. God, I pray that they'll find inspiration in your word. And God, just try again. We hope that you have enjoyed today's message from Free Christian Church in Continental Ohio. And we would like to invite you to visit us next Sunday morning. Sunday morning services begin with Sunday school at 9.30, followed by the worship service at 10.30. Free Christian Church is located on the corner of State Route 15 and State Route 634, just north of Continental. For more information regarding this or other ministries, call the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at freechristian.church. This has been a Free Christian Church Audio Outreach Ministries production.